This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues his series, The Inside Out Way of Jesus. This is you speaking now. Jesus, fill my cup. I'll empty it of, and you've got to fill in the blank. I'll empty it of. You know what's going on in your life. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown, right by the Coventry Mall. We'd also love to hear from you. If this ministry has touched you in any way, send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. There are more than 1,500 tons of garbage dumped in this landfill every day. In fact, there are more than 1,000 residents that live on this landfill that make their living by finding trash and things that can be recycled and selling them. The second thing they're known for is an amazing orchestra. Now, what you would expect to find, it wouldn't, it's not something you would expect to find on a landfill. It's not an ordinary orchestra filled with ordinary musicians and ordinary instruments. Instead, it's a, a group of children who make up this orchestra, children who live on the dump, and they have instruments that have been made out of trash. Now, a young professional musician saw this horrible poverty in this town and decided he wanted to do something to make a difference in the community. And so he started this small uh, music school. Now, he had no students, but it didn't take long to get some students. In fact, he got lots of students, but he only had a handful of instruments. And so he hired one of the trash pickers to find some materials in the landfill that could be used as instruments. And so a cello is made of an oil can and cooking tools. A flute is put together of old tin cans. Drum uh, set uses old X-ray, uh, x-rays as skins. And a violin is made up of beat-up uh, aluminum salad bowl. The orchestra plays beautiful classical music with kids from the dump playing instruments made out of trash. Isn't that amazing? This is what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. About we tend to look at things on the outside, not giving as much to the inside. We want things to look impressive. Um, we want people to see us looking impressive, like we've got it all together. But in reality, we're broken. And it's in those moments where we acknowledge our brokenness and we humble ourselves before God so God can do something beautiful within us, just like the sound coming out of that trash. Well, this week we want to finish our series and we're seeing what God wants to do in us. In order for him to do his work in us so that we can, uh, his work can be done through us. 
So my question to you is, do you come empty or do you come full? You see, God loves to fill that which is empty. Jesus was about filling what was empty. In John chapter 6, we read 5,000 empty stomachs. And Jesus said, let's fill them. The woman at the well, Jesus fills her soul. At the house of Jairus, Jairus' daughter had died. Jesus filled the daughter with life and filled the home with joy. The woman caught in the act of adultery. She's completely empty. Her life is over. But Jesus fills her with hope. This week we're going to take a look at another parable, in Luke, this one in Luke chapter 14. And this parable is known as the great banquet. The banquet. It's a place where people can come and get filled, become full. So we're looking at Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 15. And the scripture says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, and Jesus had just uh, healed a fella on a Sunday, or I should say on a Sabbath, and they had a conversation about this. And this guy said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now Jesus can't let that statement alone. He goes on to tell a story. A certain man was preparing a meal, uh, preparing a great banquet, and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. God sends out his servant to invite people once the food is ready. The servant represents Jesus. He invites the people, but they're not going to come because something else has come up. And they make excuses. I'm going to start with your notes now, if you're following with your notes. There are three excuses that are given in this story. Verse 18 says, The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, I think this excuse is a pretty interesting excuse because you don't buy property, you don't buy a house, you don't buy anything like that unless you've seen it first. I mean, you just don't buy it sight unseen. But that's what we're told in this story. So the first guy makes a reference to personal gain. Now, before we go any further, there's nothing wrong with personal gain. I want you to know that. As long as it is in the right priority. So, it's, this is like saying, well, I just bought a house. I really don't have time to go to your banquet now. This house is going to keep me busy for a while. It is going to keep me full. It's going to curb the emptiness that I had been feeling for a while. I believe this property is going to take care of that. And we're going to be able to uh, not be able to make it to your banquet. Now, if you pay attention to commercials that we have in our culture, 
Here's, here's what we get. They give us what we might call the presumption of emptiness. And, and what I'm saying here is that if we don't buy their product, there's going to be something missing from our lives. And if we would buy their product, we would feel a whole lot fuller. If you would drive this kind of car, or if you would wear this certain type of clothes, or if you would just go to, on this kind of vacation, or if you would have this kind of relationship, if you would eat this kind of food or drink this kind of beverage, you would be full. And that's how advertisements are geared toward us. Now, we have this disease called consumerism. And I understand there's stuff that we need to live, but consumerism is the idea that our success and our happiness is directly related to the ever-increasing consumption of goods. And if we don't feel happy, then we need to consume a little bit more. And if we don't feel successful, it's because what we have consumed isn't as much as somebody else has consumed. We deal with emptiness by living in a constant state of consumerism. And once we get what we want, then there's something else that we want. Have you ever gone a week without going to the store? That might be a rhetorical question. I don't know. Um, I know that we've, we've not gone to a store for a few days, or at least I haven't. And we go to the store and immediately we see something we need. And I'm thinking to myself, in fact, I've said it out loud, we didn't need this before we walked into the store, did we? <laughs> but we need it now. So we, we want more. You know, one person we met, they, they were into new and improved. They might have had a whole shelf of cleaning materials, and if one was advertised, this one's new and improved, it got on the shelf too. Well... It doesn't take very long after keeping, keep stuffing ourselves with stuff. We feel full, but then we empty again real quick. We've got to consume even more to feel full again. And so we're constantly consuming. Now the second thing that is mentioned here, verse 19, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. How many's bought five yoke of oxen lately? Well, then let's bring it down to where we're at. This is a reference to work and responsibility. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. There is nothing wrong with this at all. If it's in the right perspective. It's not that this person doesn't want to go. It's that this person can't go because there's too much going on right now. Their business is expanding and there's nothing wrong with businesses expanding. There are people in this congregation that have successful businesses, but they have things in perspective. Their business is expanding. Uh, they've made a significant investment in oxen and now they need to use this investment. 
Their calendar is full. And yet, they can't come because of that. Now, I don't know if you notice this or not, but I consciously do not say from the pulpit, here's what I think. Okay, I don't go that direction because I, I realize you don't care what I think. So I try to stick to the facts, try to st- stick to Scripture. But today I'm going to break that rule, okay? I think many people are addicted to busyness. And they dread what they might have to face in the absence of busyness. Then busyness becomes a hedge against emptiness. And busyness in our culture is an epidemic. I mean, there are people that uh, either I've talked to or my wife has talked to, and they'll say, I can give you five minutes. That's busy. That's busy. Yeah. Now, we have these handheld devices that keep us busy. There's probably some teens right now using it. And they're constant, we're constantly filling our time, filling our minds with entertainment and information. One research group did a survey that 80% of smart use, uh, smartphone users check their phones within 15 minutes of waking up in the morning. I won't ask for a show of hands, okay? So how many of you, I'm going to ask for a show of hands in this because I want to see. I'm just curious, all right? How many of you, and remember, we're in church now, so be honest. How many of you use your smartphone while you're sitting on the toilet? (laughs) Well, I have to raise my hand too. It's a good time to check email. The New York Times in 2012 released a survey of mobile phone habits of Americans. Now, they're going where a few other surveys care to go and found that 75% of the populace have used their mobile devices while on the toilet. Now, among those aged 28 to 35, the figure is 95% of them. All right, now you older people, don't laugh at this because those 65 and older, uh, 47% of you use your phone while you're in the bathroom. We're busy people. We're busy. And what are we doing? We'll leave it at that. The third thing that uh, Jesus says, uh, the third excuse, I just got married so I can't come. It's like, I appreciate the invitation, but I'm going to try to be filled. I'm going to another table. I think that uh, I'm going to try to find what I need. This is the person saying, I think I'm going to try what I need to take care of my emptiness somewhere else. I don't want to go to your table so I'm, I'm going to have to say no to your banquet. How many times have I heard or have I seen people give up the Lord 
to have a relationship with someone else. Oh, I've seen it too, way too many times. One person told us one time that they needed to make a decision whether they were going to serve Jesus or have a good marriage. Not, this wasn't, I have to make a decision on my marriage or going to church. This was serve Jesus or my marriage and gave Jesus up completely. Completely. How many times have I heard people say that I'm going to make this person complete? It isn't going to happen. Or you think that, uh, oh, he's going to complete me or she's going to complete me. And then it doesn't happen and they th then they think, there's got to be something wrong with him or there's got to be something wrong with her. Otherwise, why would I still feel empty? And then they go to the further extreme. If that person can't fulfill me and keep me full, then I'll just go find somebody who can. Oh. So we come up with these different excuses. And the invitations to the Lord's banquet are delivered. And these people say, Thanks, but no thanks. My cup is full. It's full of work. It's full of shopping. It's full of eating. It's full of relationships. It's full of religion. My cup is full. So, no thank you. Second point. Empty out so you can be filled up. Empty out so you can be filled up. Empty out to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses filling terms like, I am the bread of life. Or, I am the living water. And we also read about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives us an admonition and a command in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What's debauchery? Hmm, that's a good question. It's extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures, especially sensual pleasures. Behavior involving sex, drugs, alcohol, etc. The list could go on. And it's often considered immoral. If you are filled with that which leads to debauchery, there's not going to be much room for the Holy Spirit. Come to Jesus. Empty out. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're told in the Scriptures. The Lord is offering, let me fill your cup. So the next blank is going to be an interesting blank. In fact, Jonathan, who does the notes for the PowerPoint, emailed me and asked me about this blank. Jesus, this is you speaking now, Jesus, fill my cup, I'll empty it of, and you've got to fill in the blank. I'll empty it of, you know what's going on in your life. What is your cup full of? 
relationships, pornography, work, just stuff. If it's already full, empty it out. And don't fill it back up with the same old, same old. It's like, I'll fill my cup up. And it doesn't look too good, does it? So, well, I'm not doing so good right now, so let me just empty it back out and let me fill it up again. But it's the same old, same old. Well, I'll do it again. I'll, I'll just empty it out and I'll... Nothing's changed. It just... It's the same thing. Schuylkill River water. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the same thing. But here's what the Bible tells us. That if we would empty our cup out, and if you have trouble doing it yourself, ask the Lord to help you. He's there to do that. And let him fill your cup up. And when he fills your cup up, he not only fills it up, but he fills it to overflowing. And it will never empty out again. Amen. You can stop now. <laughs> Amen. Paul says, be filled. And, and what it really means is that it's not an option. It's a command. It's a command if you're a Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in present tense, meaning that it's not just a, a one-time thing that happens to you, but rather it's an ongoing feeling. Just like Jonathan was pouring. By the way, Jonathan was acting as the Holy Spirit. Give him a nice big hand. It, it's that the Holy Spirit will continue to fill us. Remember the VBS song? Um, running over, running over. My cup is full and running over. That's what he does. He continues to fill us. We don't empty out. We continue. And he gets to work through us. Well, in this story, the man prepares a banquet. He sends out the servant... And the excuses start coming in. They're not coming. Their cup is already full. They don't care to empty it out. So Jesus said, okay, go find people who aren't full. Go find people that aren't full of themselves. Go find people whose lives aren't stuffed with the things of this world. And you invite them to come to my table. Invite them to come and be filled. Remember where Jesus is telling this story? He's at the table of one of the religious leaders, a Pharisee, someone who's got no room for Jesus. His cup is already full. It's full of hypocrisy. It's full of self-importance. And it's full of his accomplishments. It's full also of his righteousness. He's already full are you ready to pray, God, empty me so I can be filled by you? Maybe you're not interested. I don't know. 
Maybe, maybe you're working uh, at succeeding. Maybe you're working at personal gain. But then I remember the scripture verse that says, what does it profit you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Maybe your ambitions just don't include Jesus. Well, I can be religious, but they just don't include Jesus. Or maybe you're consumed with everything that's going on around you. Maybe your cup is filled with busyness. I would say a lot of people are into busyness. You'd like to stick around. You'd like to let the Lord fill you. But you just really can't devote the time to it. Or maybe you're going to try another table. Try another banquet. Filling yourself with other relationships. Looking for fulfillment in someone else. Looking for fulfillment in something else other than Jesus. How's that going for you? Well, in verse 23 it says, Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 